0: Like he has like full on conversations after he slit his wrist, his ankles, and the back of his legs. Ugh. More like
1: can no. am I right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like <laughs> on his dying breast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mute my mic again. Go after your peanuts, Aaron.
1: Welcome to War and Dead People, a podcast where we talk about war and dead people. I am not your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, George, as well as somebody else. But first, say hi, George. Hi, George. Uh, cool. (laughs) And this week we're joined by our friend Neil Eckert of War and Conquest Podcast, who will be guiding us from the fall of the Egyptian space empire and into the rise of the cybernetic monarchy known as the United States. States of No 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 we're talking about that's next week. We're talking about the Finno Korean hyper
2: war of the thirty-fourth century.
0: Oh okay. Actually I'm here to tell you about the gift to society that is Scientology. So it all starts with this guy named L. Ron Hubbard. Alright. <laughs> we already covered him though, so maybe you better tell us what's
1: really going on here, Neil. Why but the hell? You were making fun you...
0: of him. You weren't believing. What do you think Tom Cruise <laughs> is wrong? You think you know better than Tom Cruise? Wait, can I make $10,000
2: a month from home?
0: No, you have to give all your money to Scientology before Scientology gives you money. You would know that if you had read all the pamphlets I sent you this week.
2: Well, I don't have any money to
0: give them. Well, then I guess you're just going to space hell in the volcano with Lord (laughs) Zeno. Damn it, every time.
1: Bantering aside, uh, what are we doing here, Neil and George? And why am I even here? That's my question. Because
0: you laugh at our jokes true true that's why I, that's why I'm adamant about I can't speak for George well he doesn't I mean, speak, he doesn't, as we know
2: he doesn't laugh at my jokes they go' yeah. you know it's because they're it, not it funny take, <laughs> they're too intellectual it, it takes a little bit of education and you know some unnamed people in this uh, in this call well <clears throat> anyway I represent that statement
0: isn't it resent? Or is that the joke? That's the joke. Dumb okay. <laughs> oh, okay, now I see why George doesn't laugh anymore. Okay. It's all becoming clear. Uh, Yes, so what are
1: we actually covering? Nero. Oh, dear. Oh, dear Is that it? Is that all we're covering? Just straight Nero?
0: Nero. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Wait, isn't that is- an
1: antivirus
2: software?
0: Yes. But it's based off of Nero, who Did his real what? name has like <laughs> ten other added names to it. But that's just extra Roman bullshit. We're not worried about that. Everybody we know him. Everybody we know him. Everyone knows him as Nero, and that's what we're going to refer to him as. Not Nihiros, Domitius Flavius. Now Flavius is the next dynasty. I'm getting. Wait, a I know there, there. there's a, isn't there Ahino a Barbus. Barbus in there? Heno yeah. Barbus. Yes, that was his father, which means bronze beard. Because supposedly, like his great great grandfather was touched by a spirit from another world that instantly turned his black hair orange. Did he
2: report it? I mean, there's laws about that stuff. Anyway, (laughs) not not ancient. So, (laughs) whatever. Okay, Aaron, shut up. Neil, tell us about Blackbeard or
1: near whatever. Bronzebeard. Actually, wait, 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 wait. We can't do shit until we go down to
0: the history lab. It wasn't
2: the real history lab. The friends we made along the way.
0: Um. The real history lab was making meth for Nazi Germany. But anyway.
2: Okay, we can do it here in the lobby if you... You said you wouldn't
0: tell anyone, Neil. (laughs) Well, the statute of limitations has expired, so don't worry about it. Okay, I'm good. I mean, if we want to do it up here, you can just take it away.
1: I'm I'm good. See, because I'm playing the the resident dumbass for this episode, everybody. I know nothing. Well... Yes, playing. <laughs> I'm typically a very
0: intelligent, very. How dare you on my show? No, I'm going to be. <laughs> this is my squad, Casco. I can kick you at any time I want. Ah, uh, well, all you right. I'm master here. That
2: that just cop like, on the corner is looking at us kind of weird. So I
1: kind of think we should probably go down into the history lab. Actually, though, are you are you being serious? Or are you just trying to like? I want no. no, no he's possible. Yeah, like I, I,
2: me and Neil are fine, but Aaron kind, Aaron kind of looks like one of those people they just pick up for, you know,
1: public safety. This is yeah. true. This they is put true. you in
0: the drunk tank permanently.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, with all that being said, maybe we should head down there and mark for transition. <laughs> Who wants to do the trailer? Did you write a trailer? No, of course not. I don't know what's happening in this story. Nobody wants to wing it, eh?
2: In a world before Wikipedia.
0: Uh, Unimaginable. I think I'm just going to keep doing that the entire episode. Just going (sighs) to keep saying his name like that.
1: Well, the save France thing with James really caught on, so maybe Nero will catch on too. That's racist. Alright, that's our trail. So, boys, if you had to pick one Roman emperor, or any ruler of any kind, to have a
0: beer with this weekend, who would you pick and why? Let's start with Neil. Well, I can think of who I'd want to get high with. Like, if I was getting high, I wouldn't get high with Marcus Aurelius, because he would say a bunch of philosophical stuff that would be really profound. Good. All right. Is that your final answer? I don't know about the beer, though. Oh, okay. He'd probably be good into the beer, right? Right? I don't know. I don't know, so I don't think I don't think as many things are philosophical when I'm drunk. Like I think things are funnier. So a beer, um, I don't know, probably Augustus, just because he finds really odd things funny that like a, a normal like midgets <laughs> I'm, I'm and talking funny. birds, talking,
1: talking he birds. He really
0: he would really be easy to entertain while drunk. All right, that's that's uh.
1: That sounds good to me. What about you, George? Um, you can't hmm. think of one person right off the top of your head you'd have a beer with this weekend. I mean, I to... let's see, let me see. Um, um, hmm,
2: hmm, hmm. I don't know. Maybe, uh. Maybe Valerius and tell him uh, not to trust Arminius. That's
0: a good idea. He's That's... not an emperor, though. That's cheating. Well, he said
2: leader. He said leader.
0: I did say leader. Oh, well, Julius Caesar then. Fuck Augustus. <laughs> I, I thought you said emperor. I did, and then I said leader, and I—I I don't change the rules. It
1: moving is, the goalposts. This is my. <laughs> this is entrapment. Just kidding. I'm going to recuse myself because, again, I know nothing about what we're going to talk about. So I'll just be sitting here in the background. Um, probably munching on Chex Mix and giggling, and then every now and then asking the dumbass question,
0: "Don't you corrupt my audio file? You mute your mic if you're going to eat Chex Mix." I, <laughs> you I gotta, can make
2: no promises. Do you have plenty of jewel pods to hold you over?
1: Uh, nah, nah. I, I left that. I left that behind me, unfortunately. But I do have these peanuts. Oh so my God, he's not kidding. <laughs> I literally have peanuts right here. Does anybody does anybody want one? No. Apparently
0: they're really good for attracting crows. Peanuts? That can say the name of Augustus, which Augustus would really like. Nice. Yep. Yep. Boom. I was reading the thing about in, into <laughs> Nero. Nero. We gotta focus here, boys. We spent right. like five minutes in the intro, like amateurs. School me, Neil. Rank amateurs. So today we're talking about Nero. Mm. Who, oh, I'm sorry. Today we're talking about Nero, who, despite his family heritage, did not have a bronze beard. Mm. He was blonde, kind of chubby, with really skinny legs, but he also got fat while retaining skinny legs, which made him look really disproportionate. No, it's not. But luckily, when you're the most powerful man in the world, women still want to have sex with you because they're attracted to things like money and power. Wow. At least until you murder them by kicking them down the stairs while pregnant. More on that later. What? So I'm... Okay, I'm trying to keep up here. I, I just heard you talking about someone
1: getting kicked down the stairs while... I just pr- said, well, we'll get... Allegedly. These- all
0: right, all right. Pace. Whoa, Aaron, whoa. Okay, okay. Down, boy. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. We, we still got a lot of stuff to cover in between now and Infantis time. Well, I'm going to open the peanuts again and just shut up and munch. That sounds like a plan. Anyway, so, Nero... Had a very interesting life, but that's not where we're going to start the story. We're actually going to backpedal to the very beginning of the dynasty known as the Julio-Claudians. Arguably, it was started by Julius Caesar, but he wasn't technically an emperor. Of course, it was Augustus, but that's nitpicking at this point. Julius Caesar, essentially to give you your crash course Roman history, crosses the Rubicon, defeats Pompey, Magnus, Cato, and a bunch of the other senators, and names himself... (laughs) dictator for life after which famously as immortalized by julius caesar and about 50 other knockoffs of that and the not knockoff amazing series hbo's rome julius caesar is assassinated by the people he pardoned in the war and the republic is thrown into chaos this chaos is capitalized on his adopted nephew who would become his son octavian who the world knows as Augustus now, but that was only after he spent the next 20 years beating the shit out of anyone who thought he should not be the sole ruler of the Roman Republic. And Augustus ruled wisely and long. Due to the fact that that reign was so long, almost all of the eligible heirs that he had planned to take his place ended up dead. Whether from natural causes or unnatural causes is still up for debate, which has given rise to the probably one of the most famous conspiracy theories of ancient Rome: the Livia killed everyone. And I know George has a lot to say about the Livia killed everyone theory. I know he's definitely a firm supporter. <laughs> I mean, it's as far
2: as I'm concerned, it's not a conspiracy theory. But uh, I think it's it is important to note here that sort of the reason that everything is so up in the air is because Augustus never. Made an actual legal position that he held. He didn't like make this is the office of emperor and I'm holding it and then someone else will hold it. He just held a bunch of previously existing positions all at the same time in such a way that he did control everything, but not because he held X title. So it makes it really hard to know how does succession work when it's not that he is, you know, the king or whatever, and then the king's son inherits. When it's a sort of rule by prestige and rule by this big collection of positions.
0: But on the flip side of that, Augustus couldn't just say, I'm now the king of Rome, because he likely would have ended up like Julius Caesar, because that was was what motivated the senators to murder him. So Augustus perfectly balances being king in everything but name only, but also being what he referred to as the first citizen of Rome, which was known as the princeps. It was a title that had existed a few other times in Roman history, like Scipio Africanus, after he kicked Hannibal in the dick, and a few others who had done great things for Rome. It meant the first and most prestigious citizen. And since Augustus, although with help, had kicked everyone else who opposed him in the dick, he was now the first citizen with nowhere, anywhere near him, even without all the powers that the Senate allotted to him he still would have had the prestige to basically do whatever he wanted. But like George so eloquently put, that's not really something you can pass down. Just because, you know, if your father is a genius brain surgeon, that doesn't mean that you can just go to community college and all of a sudden you're going to be a genius brain surgeon too. So, and another thing that complicates it is the fact that he doesn't have any natural sons. He, would ha- he had a daughter, Julia, because the Romans were really lazy when it came to naming People, especially women. Yeah, no, you know, is the... like
2: women don't get a first name. At yeah, it's essentially just Rome. their
0: clan name with Ia at the end of it. So, yep. Julia so, if you're were the daughter of the Julia Julia.
2: And so, if you have five daughters, they're all going to be
0: Julia. Julia. What? Yep. How have I never heard this before? <laughs> and the men, it really isn't much better. They usually just swap between like one or two names. It's either a Gaius, a Titus, a Lucius. Or, like a Domitius, like, yeah, are like, the like about ten.
2: there are about yeah. 10 first names you get to choose from. <laughs>
0: okay, that's why Romans <laughs> relied so much on nicknames because you had your Prinomen, your secondary, your cognomen, and then your family name. And most people were just known by their cognomen because it was like a Hino Barbus means bronze beard, it was just a nickname that just became the official thing you put on your records. Like, for instance, Cicero, Cicero actually. That actually wasn't his name. Cicero actually means chickpea in Latin. Because one of his ancestors had like a mole that looked like a chickpea. They started calling him chickpea. And that just became the family name from that on.
2: Cicero's name was
0: actually Marcus Tullius. Which means Cicero. he's from
2: the Tullia clan. His first name is Marcus, Marcus. But a bunch of other males from the Tullia clan are probably also named Marcus. So you sort of distinguish which particular family he's from by then that last one, which as Neil said, is the cognomen,
0: Chickpea, Cicero. Boom. Wow. And here Aaron's mind just exploding. Uh, yeah, hang on. I, I need to I need to go. The, the, the
2: funny thing is, and there's there's really not been any conclusive answers to why this is. There's a lot of different theories. Almost all the names, the nicknames, about two thirds of them are in some way insulting. Like yes. chickpea, or they mean things like fat, or squint-eyed, or crooked. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was actually the legend about Pompey that he changed his name to Pompey the Great because his original name was Pompey the Fat. Or the Child Butcher. What which I think the Child Butcher is a better name than anything. I wonder it's what... Ad- Adolescentum Carnifex, which sounds awesome in Latin, it sounds like you're about to curse somebody with some, like, ancient curse. You're gonna summon a demon adolescence, or I don't know, i to try to say it. Anyway, back to Nero. So Nice transition, very good. So after Livia kills everybody, including Gaius and Lucius Caesar, and a guy named Germanicus, a few other people die. Eventually, Tiberius is the one who is forced to take on the title of Princeps, which is what people, this is why people believe that Livia killed everyone, is because Livia was her son- by a different man she actually had two kids before she was married to Octavian she was actually pregnant with the second one when they got married which spawned a joke in Rome because she was seven months pregnant and she had the baby two months after their wedding she said the lucky couple can conceive and give birth within two months that's a very nice way of saying it was a shotgun wedding well actually it wasn't a shotgun no. wedding yeah, because it wasn't, Octavian wasn't, wasn't the it. one who got her pregnant it was
1: a shotgun wedding I'm barely uh, keeping Octavian up. Everybody. Octavian
0: used the Octavian used the shotgun to steal away Livia from her previous husband. That's what exactly what I meant. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I don't know what you Illinois boys get up to, but the shotgun wedding here is the opposite of that. Hmm.
2: That's when anyway. the shotgun
0: steals the man from the woman. Yes, <laughs> and they have little they have little four ten babies. Anyway, little <laughs> little gun caliber joke aside. <laughs> Bonus points to anyone, five points to Gryffindor for anyone who got that reference listening in the audience right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, so they believe, because Tiberius was Libya's oldest, her youngest Drusus had died when he was out in about to conquer Germany. Many people believe he got sick and died. Tiberius does this really like heartbreaking. Ride. He essentially rides across the breadth of the Roman Empire in two weeks to get to his brother's bedside before he dies. He rode from the Danube to the top of the Rhine in like two weeks. And eventually everyone else is dead. Augustus lives, he reigns for like 40 years, he dies in 14 AD, and Tiberius is the one who's given the title of it. Thing is, Tiberius doesn't really want it. He's kind of like the old school Republican, like we should have let the Republic back But at the same time, he kind of likes being in charge, but he he hates it at the same time. He doesn't really like responsibilities. No, he does. He He actually spends most of his brain hiding on Capri, which was an island where he spent getting his, uh, allegedly getting his balls tongued by little boys who swam in the pool next to him. Wait, what? No. Yes. Yeah. You want to look up some interesting
2: reading? No. Uh, Suetonius has some interesting stuff not necessarily the most reliable source it has to be said but you know we don't don't know
0: know, though
2: he could have no we did it's definitely possible definitely possible these
0: children were labeled minnows and they would swim around in the children and nibble on the guest genitals as they were sitting like in the tub it's kind of like a hot tub style tub it should it should also be said that uh
2: Augustus didn't really like Tiberius that much, and uh, when he was on his deathbed, Livia basically prevented anyone from talking to him or seeing him for like the last two weeks of his life, so there's definitely a possibility that he had other ideas about what should happen and that uh, they never were able to get out because Livia didn't let anyone in except Tiberius.
0: Yeah, there's only one other person who was really eligible for the throne. His name was Agrippa Posthumus. It was named after his father Agrippa died, hence the name but Livia had him secretly assassinated before Tiberius was even crowned or given the title of princeps. Oh, but was that, that was the thing. The because Augustus or? really didn't have any choice because like almost all the other eligible heirs were dead. Like Tiberius had been a great general early in his life, but then he got kind of older and jaded and he's like, fuck politics. I'm edgy and cool. I don't care about what's going on in the world. And then everyone else eligible to take his position died. So he's like, well... Fuck! Now I gotta be the emperor. Just have to be the emperor. Yeah. yeah. I, I We've all had those days. So, yeah. So Augustus. The main thing we have to know about Augustus is, like I said, he perfectly blended being princeps and essentially the monarch of Rome. He, what the, what his power base was, is it was essentially a military dictatorship. When he, when he, quote unquote, gave back the republic to the Senate, he kept almost all the legions that had any or. he he kept all the provinces that had legion support with the exception of like two. So he owned about 85 to 90% of the military power in the empire. So the Principate was essentially a military dictatorship, but because Augustus was a genius at public relations, he had disguised it. He put it like a bunch of layers of smoke screens or like a, a bunch of different veils over it so that people, despite the fact that they knew what was going on, they could tell themselves okay, we are still in a free republic. And the legacy of the Julio Claudians is every subsequent successor to the Principate stripped away more of those veils until at the end when we get to Nero it's just revealed to be a military dictatorship. So the gloves come off. More of the blinders, but yeah. The the mask comes off. Yes, the, like the Phantom of the Opera, the shoes, and it turns out he's
1: scarred. <laughs> All I can contribute is absurdity.
0: <laughs> it's okay, Aaron. At the end of this episode, you'll be able to, to contribute a couple facts that you remember about Nero. Maybe. I don't know. Not... So anyway, After as Tiberius' reign goes on, he gets more and more jaded. He, Like I said, he spends about half of his reign on the island of Capri, not doing anything. His Praetorian Prefect, which, if you don't know, the Praetorian Guard was the bodyguard of the Emperor, plus the only troops that were actually stationed in Italy. And over the years, the Praetorian Prefects got more and more power as they were essentially the guarantor of the safety of the Emperor, as well as his ability to project power to those around him. So it was like the Secret Service today. But like the Secret Service combined with like the CIA as well, because they also did a lot of the spy work for him as well and assassinations. So Praetorian Prefect Sejanus eventually gets himself elected consul. And as he does, Tiberius finally wakes up to what's going on and has him assassinated. And then after that, Tiberius just assassinates a few more people and then dies old and bitter of old age. Or he's poisoned by the new Praetorian Prefect. We don't know either one. He was old. And he's poisoned. So, I mean, is it really killing them because they're old? I don't know. I mean, how do you, how do you guys They were, the,
1: They were going to pass along soon enough anyway, right? I mean, yeah. We don't
0: need to pay their Medicare for it. Anyway. Oh, well,
1: hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> you may have gone a little too far there.
0: <laughs> that was ancient 2,000 years ago. Nobody cares. Uh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So, anyway, after Tiberius, he is succeeded by a man named. Caligula. Oh, dear. It's not actually his name, but that's, it's funny. They're like One of like the most reviled rulers in ancient history is known by his nickname. Because Caligula translates more, more or less directly to Little Boots. Yes, James loved that when we covered him. Which would be like calling Hitler Little Mustache. Well, I mean, that's what I call him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just it was a childhood nickname that just kind of stuck around, because he used to go around with his great father Germanicus, but after livia poisoned him supposedly or got calpurnius Piso to poison him either way or he just got sick and died caligula was the heir apparent and some people even believe that tiberius was crafting caligula to just screw over the roman empire he had gotten so bitter and jaded by the end of his life he's like you know what i'm just gonna mentally scar this boy into running the empire into the ground which is pettiness on a level unheard of before.
1: There are several presidency jokes in there somewhere, but I'm not going to pretend like I would even make fun of Obama like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just going to let that one hang yep, there. Yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Caligula, he takes the, the principate into new and unexplored fathoms of depths, so or maybe fathoms I don't know. Some kind of nautical term. Not. Um, <laughs> yes, he goes farther <laughs> than any other principate had gone before. And at this point, we can pretty reliably start calling them emperors. Even though we retroactively add the emperor title. It actually comes from the word imperator, which simply means successful general. But more on that later. So Caligula really... Bl- takes away a lot of the blurring between the Principate and the Emperor, and he's just like, well, I'm essentially your king now. You know, let's not pretend this isn't a hereditary monarchy in some way or another. He takes rights away from the Senate as he is torturing them. And he's just... He just starts killing everybody. Good. You know, he's just... I mean, a lot of these guys are corrupt politicians, so I mean, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, but Caligula gets up to all kinds of wild stuff, like fighting Neptune out in the English Channel, and... You guys cover that story. Yeah, that's you? where or, he had I mean, his soldiers run out and hit the market. water or he, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and collect seashells for a triumph. Wow. Caligula does all kinds of wild stuff, including insulting the Praetorian prefect because he had a really high voice. That so he would just, he would always make the, the password that day like a really feminine thing. Eventually, the <laughs> prefect has enough. He gets a bunch of senators together and they just, just stab the absolute shit out of Caligula in the streets of Rome. Like, so much, they said the corpse wasn't even recognizable anymore. Jesus. Yeah. And as Caligula had assassinated most of the people, or exiled the most of the other Julio-Claudians, it seemed like the line had come to an end. But then the Praetorian prefects find Claudius, or Claudius, depending on how you want to pronounce it, who is believably half-retarded. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not even, like, being mean. Like, most and, uh, people... They- like they also literally like, found him. Yeah, they found him hiding behind a curtain, which after seeing your, I think it's his, his brother-in-law. Um, the Julio Claudians is not a family tree. It's more of like a briar bush because, you know, it grows up and then like mingles in and there's a lot of cross marrying and incest. And it's, there's like I four he's his uncle.
2: He's his uncle. Uncle?
0: Yeah, I yeah. think you're right too. He's Caligula's uncle. Yeah, Caligula's uncle because he was Tiberius's stepbrother. Yeah, it's it gets really confusing here. Um, anyway, so he's a, literally like a stammering idiot. He drools all the time. He's got a limp. Modern historians believe he had like cerebral palsy, possibly. Like no one's idea of a great emperor or a, a great like political potential, which is likely why Caligula did not assassinate him as well. And it turns out behind all the drooling and the limping and the mumbling of words, he actually is a half competent ruler. But what? I almost called him Caligula. It's really hard having two guys with the names that start with C. Clodius does is he uses the Praetorians to essentially take the throne. Because the Senate's like, oh, we should restore the Republic. And other guys are like, no, we just want to be emperor. And then Clodius shows up with a Praetorian guard. And they're like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And everyone's like, we don't have swords, armor, and years of military experience. So, yeah, we're just gonna let that happen.
2: Yeah, because they're they're not doing it just because they like him. They suddenly become a lot less powerful if there's not an emperor for them to be the Praetorian Guard of. So it's in their best interest to have a successor. And so they find the drooling man and are like, "Yep, yep, that's he's gonna he's gonna be it." And we're still, you know, we're still the big
0: dogs in town. And he also promised them massive incentives and bonuses because every time one of these emperors gets promoted he has to give donatives to the soldiers who put him there. Because you can't have a military dictatorship if the soldiers don't want to follow you. And so Clodius once again pulls away another of the veils hiding the fact that this is a military dictatorship by essentially using the military to stage a coup against those who would steal power from his family. And Clodius marries a couple other women. Uh, His Messalina, his latest wife, is believed to be plotting against him, and so she's executed, and he ends up marrying his... Once again, we're getting into the weirdness of the family tree. I believe it's his half-sister... No, it's his his niece, Agrippina. One of his relatives. It's very, very, very close incest. It's so close that the Senate actually has to pass a law saying that it's okay. Oh, really? Yeah, it's oh. it's bad. Woof. Yeah. But codius needed it because he wasn't... He didn't have... He needed it, you said. Yeah, he needed the Augustus bloodline for legitimacy, considering the fact that he did stage a military coup. Yeah. So, marrying Agrippina brought him back into the royal fold completely, and her already-born son, Nero, because the previous marriage of Agrippina had been to a member of the Hino barbus clan. So now, um, Clodius has a successor. Even though he has his own son, a kid by the name of Britannicus, but the kid's not old enough. Clodius is getting old, so he needs Nero as an insurance policy that there will be an adult ruler to succeed him when he finally dies. And it's right before Britannicus' coming of age ceremony that Clodius just suddenly drops dead. And many people believe that he was poisoned by Agrippina mm. because, because the day after Nero becomes emperor, I'm sorry, Nero <laughs> becomes emperor he gives the, the password to the Praetorian guard, the most wonderful of mothers. Hmm. And shortly after, in Clodius, as all emperors are, he was given divine status. And he said, Nero said that mushrooms are the food of the gods because with them, Clodius became a god, meaning that mushrooms are what killed him. Oh, I would have thought of anyone on a really good trip. Well, he may have. Then, okay. <laughs> then died, of course. Of course, with cerebral palsy, isn't like your life just a trip anyway? anyway I don't How dare you? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's believed that Agrippina poisoned his mushrooms or he just ate a bad one. And, you know, I mean, it's not really a surprise. Sometimes people just die very conveniently. You know, just because someone's death is convenient doesn't mean that it wasn't. An accident or just happen like Jeffrey Epstein. Or, you know, anyway. JFK <laughs> shooting himself. No, it was a secret service who shot JFK. JFK was this, driving
1: Aaron. the car.
0: We've been through this, Aaron. It was a secret service. All right. All right. Anyway. Thank you, President Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You know that President Johnson used to pee with the door open just to intimidate his political rivals because his dick was so big allegedly you know i've heard that i've heard that he he gave gave press conference while taking a dump he's just like the cameras are just outside the door he's like yeah you guys get over here if you guys want a statement you're gonna take it while i'm taking this shit that's horrifying and they say there's no decorum in the white house press conferences these there never has been (laughs) nope never has been anyway
1: (laughs) except for with andrew jackson god rest his okay i'm just joking all right
0: (laughs) Are you talking about the multiple <laughs> people he murdered during? Yes, <laughs> praise be Under him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Jackson,
0: <laughs> praise be Under him. <laughs> the multiple duels he fought while in office. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so Nero has finally become the emperor, all thanks to mommy dearest, mm. who's like really like a Norman Batesy kind of mom. It's really a Norman Batesy kind of family, and the assassinations and murderings continue. Although not all of them are are what Agrippina would want. Because there's one argument that they have where Agrippina just sort of throws down the gauntlet. Because she has the backing of the Praetorian Guard. She believes that no matter what... Because she married Germanicus, who was a great warrior who won great spoils in Germany. Hence the title, Germanicus. And so many of the soldiers in both the army and the Praetorian Guard fought under Germanicus at one point or another. So... Agrippina believes that she is safe from the matter, no matter what. She actually has more power than the emperor. And one night, Nero goes the emperor's,
2: off... The emperor is also still pretty young.
0: Yeah, he's also like in his early 20s, I believe, at this point. And so, Britannicus now has become a man at 15. He's actually, I was like 17 or 18, but I'm just saying the age was 15. That was when you were legally a man in Rome. You put on the toga of manhood. And one night, They go off crazier than usual, and Agrippina's like, well, if you don't want to listen to me, I'll just go over to the Praetorian camp with Britannicus, and we'll just make him the new emperor. To which Nero finally backs down, and then they have dinner next night with Britannicus and Agrippina and a bunch of other people, and all of a sudden, Britannicus falls on the floor choking and gasping. Agrippina looks over, and Nero's like, must be epilepsy. And then you have the little like Seinfeld... Dun 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 thing, with a little clapping in the little background. slap bass you know, like going a sit- on. Yeah, the little, little uh, sitcom laugh track. It's <laughs> Britannicus is choking and gagging on the floor. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put in Seinfeld
1: music. Let me just mark that. <laughs>
0: uh, or uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm music either. That'll work. Wait, what music now? The, the Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, no, it's got to be Seinfeld. Or maybe, ah, well, whatever. Same thing. Same show. Anyway, so Agrippina knows now that she's lost her reliable tether to power because despite the fact that she still has the Praetorians behind her, women in Rome couldn't rule. All they all their maneuvering had to be done behind the scenes. And Agrippina is becoming more and more exposed here. You know, Nero's becoming more powerful. He's getting older. He's beginning to buck his younger teachings. You know, despite the fact that he had... Tutoring from the Praetorian prefect, his mother, and one of the most famous philosophers in Roman history, Seneca, Nero still turns out to be a bit of a dumpster fire as an emperor and Although it's hard to judge Nero because the two things that Nero are most infamous for is the great fire of Rome, one of the greatest natural disasters in the uh, in the world of antiquity and persecution of the Christians, you know. The fire is obvious and the Christian one is too because, you know, no one loves to be persecuted like an evangelical and they just love to bellyache about it. Like, Oh, we don't, can't have our Bibles wherever. Huh? And people are, I mean, I know all three of us had to, uh, deal with all that rhetoric growing up, like oh, they're trying to take the, the in, in one nation under God out of the pledge of allegiance. Yes, we've all the-, the gays are getting See, married. Next thing you know, the meteors are going to come, and it's going to be time for the. I am less interested in the I mean, persecution. I mean,
2: of- Nero, Nero did 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 kind of murder murder them though. Like that wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't necessarily a, sel- exactly. a self a self per, uh, a sort no, of but, a, I'm,
0: but i'm saying that like christians love to like go on about that like oh we're so persecuted you know i remember like growing up like do you know the missionaries in china can't even put a cross on the top of their building because the chinese government doesn't like christians i was like are you okay. suggesting
1: <laughs> that to help the evangelicals we should throw them to the lions that's Maybe. what i heard but i also want to point out that the 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 burning of Rome, whatever the hell that was, it was not a natural disaster. That was clearly the largest case of insurance fraud in the history of man, but you know, I, I don't want
0: to... You know, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean a little not out of, it's a little out they're of the timeline, but we may as well just talk about it now. <laughs> so yeah, the, the Great Fire of Rome burned for six days, and it leveled anywhere from a third to a quarter of the entire city of Rome, which at the time period was the largest city in the world. is close to a million inhabitants it's believed, and... Like many cities that grow rapidly, there was a lot of really poor construction going on in Rome. I mean, I remember in the time of Cicero, he wrote a letter to his friend Atticus saying that one of the apartments he owned was so rickety that even the rats had abandoned it. (laughs) Been there. So there's a lot of like really, really close buildings with shared walls. Most of it's built by wood. You know, like the, the great marble and concrete buildings were in the city center, the great epic projects are usually not people's houses. You know, they're really rickety. And it's like the fire bombings of Tokyo during World War II. You know, the whole city just goes up as soon as one fire starts. And the people of Rome are displaced and they're pissed off. And some people blame Nero. They believe that he started the fire. Others say, as the saying goes, he fiddled while Rome burned, even though the fact that the the fiddle wasn't invented for centuries to come. Unless he was fiddling with something else, if you catch my drift. Matches and napalm, yes. Yes, yeah, um, of course. <laughs> but if Nero chooses to believe, well, he cho- whether he believes it or not, he chooses to blame the fire on the Christians. So, you know, the, the great fire and the persecution of Christians go hand Plastic. in hand. Because the Christians are our new radical cult of Judaism, and people are usually just... Dis- like offset by jews you know there has really hasn't been many time periods in history where people are like you know what the jews are great uh, like it goes all the way back to like pre-ancient rome like people just don't like the jews for whatever reason yeah neither do the romans and the christians are seen as even more radical um
1: jews. a little bit like sabotage zevi we covered a while back who, who yeah. started his own little uh, i think they call it the Frankist cult uh it was uh, they were already experiencing problems trying to assimilate, and when this guy came along and decided that he was the actual Messiah and started screwing with the powers that be, it really brought his friends down a couple of levels <laughs> during his life and after. So yeah, it's probably a similar deal. Yeah.
0: Well, we all once again blaming evangelicals for their own practices. Whenever something bad happens, you know they're always the first one to say, "Oh, it's a punishment for whatever." And there's no reason to believe the ancient Christians weren't wandering around Rome like, you see, you guys are pagans and you like having sex with little boys. This is why this happened. Well, I would like to point out, of course, that there were no evangelicals back then. So they probably or they definitely couldn't have been as annoying. (laughs) No, No, because they were, if anything, they had to be more evangelical than evangelicals now because they were a new religion that had to spread. So the only way to spread is to evangelize, which is where the root word of evangelicals is. So... It's not exactly as we would prescribe them, but they're people who won't shut up about their new religion. So they're going around saying, "You guys are sodomizing boys, and you crucified Jesus." It's probably a good thing that Rome burned down. They're not wrong. <laughs> Just All right. Anyway, and uh, the other the other thing about Nero and the
2: fire is, of course, what did Nero do uh, in the area that had been completely destroyed?
0: Oh, he built a, a new. He called it the Golden Golden Hall or the Golden Palace. Yeah, the
2: Golden House. It was really convenient. Suddenly, there was this huge part of the city that was empty. Yeah. Mm. I mean, to be fair,
0: he also he also rebuilt other national monuments. He built public parks on the destroyed land, but he also built a giant "fuck you" house with a literal hundred and like fifty foot bronze statue of himself. So, six dozen to one. Half no, it's (laughs)
2: wait.
0: (laughs) Six Six dozen and one (laughs) seventy-two in the other. Six (laughs) to one half dozen of another. There we go. That's the expression.
1: Was there not like a guy who was actually running a fraud there, and he would like set the fires and put them out or something like that? That was Crassus. That's who who it was. Crassus. That's who I was thinking of.
0: He owned the fire service. The Jeff Bezos. Yeah. (laughs) Who ended up getting molten gold poured down his throat. I did not hear that part. Fitting end. Yep, he got captured by the Parthians after the Battle of Carhai at 53 BC. They don't and, fuck around. Yeah, they poured molten gold down his throat as a you know, symbolic of his greed. Nice. Well, he may have been decapitated It may have been a slave who was dressed like him, but either way, you know, the whole gold down the throat is not a nice way to go. No. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, Nero... He, in one way, he can be commended for, because he really, like, taxed the the shit out of the provinces to help rebuild Rome. You know, it wasn't always just his palace with a giant 150-foot statue of himself. He was also helping rebuild a lot of Rome. He built public parks. He instituted building codes, which mandated that buildings could no longer be joining each other. That was part of the big problem with a lot of these houses, is they were all so clumped together. One house, cast, one house catches on fire. Next thing you know, the whole block is burnt down. So they make the, the buildings be separated apart. They use better building materials like concrete and other things that are less flammable. He institutes laws on the aqueducts, that meaning in like the hot summer times, only so much water could be used, kind of like California's water restrictions during drought seasons. And he does a lot of things that can really help redeem his name in the face of the fire. Because many people, they see that giant palace they're like, yeah, why wouldn't Nero burn it down? But Nero, ever the showman that he was, decided to blame the Christians. And he rounded up a bunch of Christians, he made a big public show of their execution, but he also saved a few of them for himself and then invited a bunch of senators over to his new palace under construction, into the gardens and used humans as literal or use the Christians as human torches. You just strap them to stakes and cover them in pitch and let them on fire. Oh, that's horrifying. That's yeah. some Fallout New Vegas shit right there. Yeah, I would, take my, uh, I would take my chances with the elephant or the tiger or whatever they have fighting me. I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't want to get covered in burning pitch and turned into a, a light source. That's not how I want to go. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just
0: like just like repeat like the past few weeks it seems on this podcast it's just, like one horrific torture after another I just did Charlemagne like there's a rebellion against him where he literally had these people's eyes Ugh. plucked out like not stabbed out like it sounded like they like reached in and like kill Bill just like yanked these people's Ugh. eyes out and I was like after watching that I'm like yeah just kill him yeah. well <laughs> they live watching that's
1: this. for sure
0: <laughs> did we lose George?
1: No, no no he's I'm
2: not okay. laughing here. at my jokes okay. Waiting. Waiting for the hilarity <laughs> to decide.
0: Yeah. Well, I know, because usually it has, like, one green dot if nobody's talking, and I didn't see a green dot, so I didn't know if we would lost him or not, but it's a good thing he's still here. Yeah, that pale green dot is <laughs> just hanging there in that empty abyss. They're on squad cast. Hanging there like an orb. Will it be our salvation, <laughs> or will it be our destruction? Nero.
2: <laughs>
0: Nero. <laughs> anyway... So, yeah, we got that. We kind of jumped ahead with the great fire because that's like towards the end of the campaign. But, you know, we just sort of naturally, it's okay. We had to cover it either way. So, one of the things that makes Nero so infamous in Roman circles is the fact that he really pushed the bounds of propriety farther than anything that had ever been done before. Like, some, he went even farther than Caligula, which, if you know anything about Caligula, you know is a, is a big deal. Like, if you're crazier than Caligula, you know. You're crazy. And like he did, he was essentially like a, he was a showman. So some historians believe that he was just doing it to try to see how far he could go. You know, he was one of those like avant-garde people who just likes to offend people. Ironically, like Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos before he got canceled. Ooh? I'm joking. Of yeah, course I know, know who he is. He. <laughs> and it, interestingly enough, he, uh, he, one of his nicknames was Nero. So, you know, there's a little connection between the two of them. There. Didn't know that. They also like.
2: Ha- I think not.
0: They also like to have sex with men, but a little bit more of that, and then we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a couple of minutes. Well, well okay. <laughs> we don't have to get into that. Oh, we will. Oh,
2: damn it! If Neil. you
0: thought we weren't going to, you don't know. We did already talk about minnows and uh, copper. Yeah, or whatever that. Well, I don't know. It's yeah, We'll just talk about it now because we're already we already no. up joke. <laughs> so Nero Nero killed one of his wives. She was pregnant, and she pissed him off one night, and like I said, he kicked her down the stairs. And he realized afterwards that he probably shouldn't have done that, that he was in a fit of rage. He loved this wife. He ended up marrying again, but his new wife was not his old one. She looked nothing like her, and Nero was in love. So he sends his agents throughout the city to find someone else that looks like his wife, and they find almost a perfect match. And they bring it to him, and he's like, wow. Wow. That looks just like my kick-to-death wife, except for the fact that it's a boy. George, do you have something you oh. want to add on this?
2: No. No, no, I, was, I knew where it was going. I was just waiting for the face
1: to
0: drop there. <laughs> See, I nailed the delivery on that one. So Nero has his makeup people, like the makeup people of his uh, wife, you know, paint them all up, and he's looking at him naked, and he's like, yeah. Uh, that looks good except for the lack of tits and that dick hanging there so like you know we can just cut that dick off oh no mm. so like yep we're gonna do that so they take him to the gelder and pff, there it goes that's awful yeah and the, supposedly they were uh, gonna suppose they were trying to attempt the first transgender surgery in history but they just couldn't quite figure out the science of inverting the penis and you know tucking it inside so they just uh, hacked it off that I mean it's it's as just- it's as good as this. I don't even. And the, the best part is, is Nero nicknames the guy Sporus, which in Latin means spunk. Ah, so you, you can you can tell where the inspiration of what Nero was doing to him, you know, got that. Yeah. And after after the gelding of Sporus and his nickname, you know, he's all dressed up like the, uh, the murdered wife. Nero then publicly marries, said Sporus into the horror of those in Rome. So is that you tell me Aaron, cause you're new to all this information. Is that worse than the minnows or not as bad? That's, I don't know. There's a lot of elements at play here, but I would say in my initial
1: analysis, um, they're both terrible and I'm actually kind of shocked that this isn't something that Reddit memes about all the time.
0: But what do I yeah. know? I, th- I kind of think the whole sports thing is worse. Just cause that's, it's kind of like uh, that movie Behind the Candelabra, or I think it's yeah Behind the Candelabra, the Liberace story. Yeah, HBO. You should watch it. Mm. it. where essentially Liberace finds Matt Damon, and he slowly like plastic surgeries him into looking like a younger version of himself, and they're they're gay together. They have sex. So he's having sex with a plastic surgeryed up younger version of himself. That's messed up, man. Why would I watch that movie? I'd prefer to go watch Adventures in Odyssey or Veggie Tale. <laughs> No, you should watch it. It's an interesting movie.
1: <laughs> Michael yeah. Douglas's
0: Liberace impression is on point. But anyway, Liberace story aside, so, <laughs> so haven't
2: we haven't we skipped over a pretty a pretty big event though, Neil about uh, mommy
0: dearest? Oh, yeah. Well, so we were getting there with the fire, and then Sporus distracted us, so we were we got to work our way <laughs> okay. around. Okay. Yes. So eventually, after I believe it's after the Praetorian Prefect dies. Agrippina is finally exposed, and there's a lot of tension between her and Nero because she knows that her only protection is gone now. And Nero decides, "I'm gonna make it up to mom." And it was after this big games that he throw he threw where they had they designed a collapsing boat that like it would sail out into the arena and then it would break apart and then somehow like come back together and float back away. Then Nero is like, "Wow, that's a really cool looking boat," and you know, totally in an unrelated note, he decides to buy his mom a new boat and send it on her. There's a little makeup present. You know, they meet out at sea, they have dinner on the boat. And then he's like, this yacht's for you, mom. And then sails away. And in the background, you just see the boat that Agrippina's on, just break in half in <laughs> and begins sinking into the Mediterranean.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> That's insane.
0: Well, we've that actually have, come on. We don't, we don't know, but it is Tacitus does say that it does. Like the boat was designed to split in half.
1: George, is this true? Um, I can't
2: remember offhand if what Tacitus said, but I know that both Tacitus and Suetonius are pretty clear that uh, that Nero had arranged the uh, nautical accident.
0: Well, either the boat broke apart by itself, or the ship that Nero was on just rammed it. Well, <laughs> either Maybe either well. way, a, like a part of the ship falls and hits Agrippina in the head, knocks her overboard. There's a bunch of slaves and other stuff like swimming in the water. And it's interesting because one of Agrippina's handmaids is drowning, and the other ship comes up and she's like, I'm Agrippina, I'm Agrippina. To which the oar slaves just start beating the fuck out of her with their oars and knocking her underwater. So Agrippina's what? like, you know what? I should probably just swim in the opposite direction. <laughs> oh my God. So she swims to shore she dries off she's got a nasty head wound a concussion probably and then Nero's like well he sends her a letter like hey mom I saw that accident you had out there on the water that was unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) to which right behind that letter comes a compliment of soldiers who surround the house and they come in and Agrippina's like you won't kill me I'm the daughter of Germanicus and the centurion just punches her in the face and he's like what what now wow to which, to which agrippina lifts up her dress and offers to have sex with her. no i'm just kidding she does lift up her dress though and expose her womb and she says put the sword right here where i burst the monster that killed me and the centurion stabs her in the stomach and she bleeds to death this is crazy yeah it's a wa- Like you see why i wanted to do this story
1: yeah this is crazy <laughs> These people are on another level. I think they're all on shrooms or poisoned or something. Yeah, well, a
0: lot of them did get poisoned. Just Romans, I guess. Yeah, Of course, some just died of being sick, too. You never know. Anyway. The
1: evangelicals were right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Rome did kind of have it coming. Yeah. So, yeah, but like I said, Nero was responsible for a lot of good, too. When he wasn't murdering family members or burning down the city, he was building things. You know, his uncle had started a project that Nero completed. Actually, he completed several projects begun by previous emperors. There was a new amphitheater built, not the Colosseum, which was a racetrack. Uh, There was an expansion of the port at Ostia. Because of the way the the Tiber River works, you couldn't get a galley from the Mediterranean to Rome because Rome doesn't actually have a natural harbor. The closest harbor is Ostia. But Ostia is... um, where the river is, you can't get an ocean-going vessel in there. So I had to dock there and then load it onto another ship, which brought it into Ostia, which then brought it into Rome. So what uh, Clodius and Nero did was expand the port of Ostia so you could just sail ships right into, from the sea, right up to Ostia and unload, which saved a whole bunch of headaches. It probably cut a lot of middlemen out of the loop, which pissed them off, but you know, whatever. And it eased things like famine, Because that was one of the things the Caesars always had to fear more than anything. More than the knives of conniving relatives, it was the people rioting because the grain supply was too low. I mean, in a city of a million people, that's a lot of mouths to feed. And Italy had long ago lost any semblance of the ability to feed itself. So Mm. there had to be grain ships coming in from Sicily and North Africa and Egypt. Hmm. Which, in an ironic turnaround of modern events, was the days when Africa was actually sending food and supplies to Europe instead of the other way around. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Very interesting. Of course, North Africa is different than sub-Saharan Africa. Most of the time when we think about Africa, we're thinking about sub-Saharan, but, you know, whatever. That was before they took it over. No, I'm just kidding. What are you you implying? (laughs) Don't worry about it. It was a Muslim joke. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, yes, so Nero expanded the port of Asia. he built racetracks, but what scandalized a lot of people was how much he enjoyed going to the racetracks and being a public figure. Because Nero, more than anyone, leaned into the the emperor has to be a public figure that no matter how much the old breed dislikes, they have to be loved by the people. You know, it was a very populist line of thinking. That's why I was telling you guys in the group text yesterday. I believe there's a lot of similarities between Trump and Nero because they're both populist. They're both loved by some people and absolutely despised by other people who thrive on outrage. And there's really no outrage that can sink them. They just sort of shrug off whatever happens to them. Yeah, and I they're, mean, they're, they're like both Nero married public. to lady boys. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, out of all the first ladies, hey, recently, don't you insult Melania I'm just like kidding. that? God or I mean, am if i obama was still in office you can make that joke about michelle but you what know. Mm, mm, too far i already made my obama joke quota for the episode so yeah i just had i got mine in now so now james or not james how
1: <laughs> <laughs> dare <laughs> you <laughs> this is like off the rails and we talk about dead people and war and conquest all in one yeah. i can't you can't beat this for... <laughs> oh, off the dead people <laughs> <show. laughs>
0: Do it again, off the dead. people. <laughs> Getting off to dead people, not wow, no. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. that's a more of a Nero thing. Now Nero just has sex with uh, transvestites. He doesn't have sex, and with he the killed dead. His mom as far as mom
1: with a Ship from a movie. So.
0: Although he, he did, it. although he did stage a public spectacle in the theater where he dressed as an animal and publicly nibbled on the sexes of both genitals. So, Wait, wait this the sexes not, of um, both genitals? <laughs> <laughs> like the genitals of both sexes. I oh, mean. okay. <laughs> like men and women, he was just, you know, giving them a little bit of oral in front of all of Rome, dressed as a fucking wolf. Jeez. Yeah. Wild, man.
1: That's wild. Yeah, he
0: would put on things. Like he would have... He became a, a talented singer. He learned how to play the lyre. He would play while he would be like a little one-man band. He would go up and strum his lyre and then sing in front of all of Rome. And the people loved him for this. In addition to all the parades and games he threw, it's really, it's hard to to understate how much the Romans loved their games. I mean, there's there's been riots throughout Roman history about things that happened at sporting events. It's like that one in... There um, still are. Yeah. (laughs) That one in uh the it was it during the the era of the Byzantines I, was it under it was, um Theodosius where there was yep. a riot about the the one faction lost the chariot races and it started a riot and a bunch of people died I want to say it was Theodosius yeah that
2: I always get the the Nike revolt in the
0: Thessaloniki, yeah, it was a Nike Nike revolt Nikkei, Nikkei the one, Nikkei one yeah yes. yeah see so, yeah, they. The Romans took their games very seriously. And it's, it's kind of weird because, you know, like NASCAR today is kind of a joke. It's like, well, only the Rednecks watch that. Well, back then, there really wasn't much else to watch aside from the occasional gladiatorial game. These are the days before the Colosseum's built. You know, gladiation. I guess that's a word. I don't know what it is now. It had just become a thing. And so the race is where, is where everyone in Rome went. Supposedly, the amphitheater there sat... Two hundred thousand people, which was a fifth of Rome's possible total population, possibly a little bit less after the fire, because we don't know we don't know how many people died during said fire. Mm. And Nero would do scandalous things like participate in these games. He would throw theatrical productions where he would just show up on stage. Where for the Romans that was you know the actors and gladiators were seen as like being on the same social rung as prostitutes. So for the most powerful man in the world to just show up on stage acting out some Greek drama was hugely scandalous to many. But there were many of the common people who loved him for it, Hmm. which is what Nero really encapsulated. I believe it was Barry Strauss, one of the historians I was reading for this, was talking about, he says, all subsequent emperors had a little bit of Nero in them. Because Nero, possibly better than anyone else, understood how to appeal to the common people. That pretty much no matter what else he did politically, the people would still love him no matter what. And that's where his power base was with the people. Because the senators would be terrified that the the people would just riot if they tried anything against him.
1: This is interesting. I I want to make a comment real quick. Every time I feel like the world has gone too crazy, I run across a story like this and I'm like, oh, so we've done way crazier things in the
0: past. Yeah. Believe it or not, right before Nero's death, he was participating in the Olympic Games. Like he he did a he went on a tour of Greece and he took part in singing competitions and drama competitions because of course the Greeks have fucking drama competitions. Those are
1: in the Olympics.
0: Well, it was back then. Well, I don't think it was the Olympics. It was another festival. There's like a bunch of different like festivals. And because Nero was visiting, the Greeks crammed them all into one. And it was the first time in 800 years the Olympics had been postponed. Because Nero wanted to be there and do them. And he competed in singing competitions. And he was even involved in a chariot race that almost killed him. Because your normal chariot's got four horses. But Nero's like, well, I'm the emperor, so mine's going to have ten. Classic. And I guess driving 10 horses is harder than four and Nero crashes and is almost run over by several chariots, you know, Ben Hur style to which he gets back up on his chariot and finishes in last place. And he still gets first place for it because you know, <laughs> he's the emperor <laughs> of Rome. That's funny how that works. <laughs> it's like that one scene in the, the Sasha Baron Cohen movie, the dictator where he's, he's doing the track meet and he's got the starting pistol. He starts running for like 20 feet and then shoots it. And then as someone gets close to him, he turns the pistol around and shoots them (laughs) so he finishes in first place. Uh, It's essentially that. Missed that movie, but that's funny. Yeah, I never saw it, but I saw the clip of it. It it pops up on Reddit every now and again. But anyway, Nero and the, the, the people of Greece love him. Especially because after he wins all these Olympic events, he's like, yeah, you guys don't have to pay taxes anymore. But there were a lot of people throughout the Empire who we're unhappy with Nero's rule. And before we go any further, if George has any stories you want it, that I missed that you want to talk about. Oh, no, we never talked about the Pisonian conspiracy. Shit. I know you wanted to get into that. Oh, I just want to make sure that it was mentioned. And yeah, like, like you said about
2: the sort of popular appeal, um, the Pisonian conspiracy was upper class. It was among senators and learned elites and whatnot, who decided that they should really probably do something about Nero. Deep but, stay. It was was the deep state, exactly. But, um, you know, word got out and somebody's slave said something to somebody else and you ended up with getting back to Nero. And he has tons and tons of people killed, including people who weren't even really involved, but like had, you know, once like been seen at a Dunkin Donuts with one of the people who was probably involved. And it ends up being kind of a purge of a lot of the Roman aristocracy, including Seneca, who I'm pretty sure wasn't involved. Uh, the poet Lucan, who might have actually been involved, and just lots and lots of other people. He and so that um, also does sort of dent Nero's popularity with some of the military because he kills a number of
0: pretty well liked military figures. Before we before you get to that, like Seneca has probably like one of the worst suicides ever. Like he he cuts his wrists, he cuts his ankles, and he cuts the back of his legs to try to bleed out. And his body's just like, yeah, we're not going to let you kill yourself. Uh- and so so then he also, he goes gets into, be a, dragged into a sauna yeah. but so he can finally be suffocated to death by the steam and finally enough blood comes Ugh. out. Well, yeah,
2: because yeah. he goes into a hot bath because you, you know, when your blood is warm, it's more liquidy. And so yeah. he goes into a hot bath hoping that'll help it bleed out more and it still
0: doesn't, doesn't do enough. Yeah. Like he yeah. has like full on conversations after he slit his wrist, his ankles, and the back of his legs. Oh, more like Seneca, yeah. am I right? <laughs> Yeah, and (laughs) on his dying breath... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to mute my mic again. (laughs) Go after your peanuts, Aaron. Don't (laughs) judge me. (laughs) Anyway, so Nero... wait Seneca, on his dying breath, condemns Nero. He's like, well, you killed your mother, and now you've killed your tutor. And before he dies, Seneca drops possibly one of the greatest bars of philosophy. He tells... I don't know if it's like on like his deathbed or before that. He tells Nero at some point, no matter how many people you assassinate, you will never kill your successor. Meaning that you can kill everyone eligible to take your position, but sooner or later you are going to die, and sooner or later someone else is going to become the next emperor. So you may as well just stop assassinating people. That's. But it's just one of those profound Seneca quotes that always just stuck with me ever since I yeah, read it. That's one way to look at it. Or you could just kill everybody and be like,
1: I'm I the emperor kill forever. The world.
0: <laughs> the, the state, the, for this plan to work, you have to become the president of the United States. You have to get inside the nu- the, the presidential bunker and then nuke the entire world. And then you're president forever. And <laughs> then you, may, then you, you may be the president forever. One, you'd be like President Eden in Fallout and everyone else is dead. So it's like, ha! No one can succeed me now. When I die, Earth dies with, or humanity dies with me.
1: That's pretty. That's a pretty bleak
0: way of doing it. But hey, I mean, if you gotta win, <laughs> yes. yes. When you must win at all costs. I didn't come this far to lose. Anyway, <laughs> he said as he pressed the nuclear button. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine being like one, of like the nuclear submarine commanders or whatever, like? The president wants to nuke the entire world. It's like, why am I nuking Nigeria? <laughs> I don't understand. What did they ever do? They the ever president's do just like, do it. The president got scammed one too many times. Oh, They're not all princes. I mean, they maybe they well, are. <laughs> don't tell the president that. He's got, he wants to nuke them, you know? least to his last dollar yeah, he believes dollar. in group he punishment you know one Nigerian scams them they all have to die along with the rest of humanity I mean you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> I he was so he was so he or she you know we can't be sexist we might have a female president sooner yeah. or later <laughs> is so embarrassed that in order to hide their embarrassment they nuke the entire world so that no one survives well I wouldn't put it past some because, of these people <laughs> Yeah, you know, you never. A lot of politicians are sociopaths. A lot sociopaths. of them are wearing narci- animal costumes. The only, the only thing that keeps them from doing that is their narcissism. True. Their narcissism is outweighs their being a sociopath, because they needed to be loved by somebody. So if they kill everybody, they they don't have anyone. Well, to they love need them. to be loved or hated by somebody. That's the that's the whole game. Yeah, it's a lot like Nero. You know, he believed he showed that if certain pe enough the certain people like you. You can get away with pretty much anything, and that was always Nero's first concern. Because these weird floor shows, like him dressing up like a wolf and you know going down on people, as much as it seems weird to us, and as much as the senators cringed, the common people loved it. They're like, "This guy gets good Disgusting. theater." Disgusting. Like, like this was worth the price of admit the price the price, <laughs> the price of admission the price of admission. <laughs> So, anyway, Nero, come over
1: here. Take that jawbreaker out of your mouth.
0: No, I have.
1: <laughs> I'm nope. not say. I don't want to know what's in
0: here. I'm not going to say it. I have the general. I am going back sexist. to my peanuts.
1: <laughs> Said, oh no, that was the wrong. I'm muting again.
0: <laughs> I've. Got... What were we even talking about? i We're talking about we. We're talking about Seneca. Oh yeah. And and, okay. That was like Chester. ten years ago. So, yeah. Nero, Nero, goes, yep. Nero goes off one night crazier than usual, and he comes at me with a knife. The- <laughs> 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 and he says, "Why so serious? You want to know how I got this philosophy? <laughs> Do you want to know how I got these scars? Nero <laughs> took my dick off so he could sodomize <laughs> me." <him. laughs> Wow. Wow! see what see everybody, Neil brings
1: a brand of humor to the show that's not typically needed.
0: I go. I'm, I, like Nero, will go where no other podcasters And gone so before. you better so I will plumb the depth of gold within. <laughs> anyway <laughs> But anyway. Yeah, the Pisonian conspiracy happens, then then Nero goes to the Olympic Games. And during all of this time, there's a few of the provincial governors with legions at their back that are starting to get nervous because Nero is starting to go a lot like Caligula. He's torturing and killing a lot of people. He's essentially, with the death, with kicking his pregnant wife down the stairs, he is now the last of the Julio Claudians. He's killed everyone who could possibly take his title from him within his own family. Even, I think there's only like one woman left, so you couldn't even really marry into the family. Wow. And Nero has, despite the fact that he's offended the senators and the people love him, he's doing all these weird floor shows, he's performing, going to the Olympics and whatever, he's threatening the people who have legions at their back. And when legionary commanders get scared, they march. You know, they follow the principles of Julius Caesar, that when you feel like you have nowhere to go and except the soldiers at your back, use the soldiers at your back and fight your way out of said corner. And despite the fact that Nero had not directly threatened these military governors, they saw the writing on the wall that sooner or later Nero would go off crazier than usual and try to have them killed. I mean, he killed as,
2: as we said, like with the Pisonian conspiracy, a lot of people were killed who weren't actually involved, and when you're in a pretty tight-knit group, like, you know, the yeah. elites of the Roman Empire, you know, you know a lot of people. Yeah. And if you're the governor of somewhere, you know, might be your cousin might be implicated in that, and then boom, suddenly you're implicated in something just because he's your cousin, and Nero's trying to cut <laughs> your dick off.
0: Yeah. Or your head. Or your dick and your head. Maybe both. he'll cut them both off and then stuff one in. the other. Just no, no,
2: a... no, no. Ah. <laughs> uh...
0: The Japanese no. did it in a World War II, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Anyway, so one of the one of the generals to feel most threatened is a Gallic leader in well Gaul on the Rhine name Vindex. And, and you know, let's
2: remember that in classical Latin, V's are pronounced as W's, so we are in fact talking about <laughs> Windex. You stepped on my joke,
0: you <laughs> son of a bitch. I was gonna make a joke about saying Windex in a German accent. And here, he just George. Fucked it up. Here, yeah, I'm going to hand sorry. you some peanuts. Okay, I'm leaving. I'm going home. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you.
1: He left. Well, there he goes. Wow. Oh, good. We Excellent. can have a podcast now. <laughs> yeah, the Pisonian conspiracy
2: is pretty is pretty cool because it has, and we did talk about this on you know the actual podcast once. The greatest like last line ever when one of the Military tribunes is being executed, and they take him out and show him the grave they've dug for him. And he <laughs> just like points at it and says, "Nay hoc, ex disciplina. Not even this. Yeah, is our, done we right. covered
1: that on one of our. Um, yeah, that was yep, funny. We that did.
0: Was, well, well. Are you talking about when Stalin's son tried to kill himself? Yeah. You yeah, know what's was. crazy? Like, all I heard was, he can't even do this right. And I immediately knew what the story was. It actually wasn't that. Oh, we were talking about the Bosonian conspiracy again. Oh, well, supposedly Stalin's son got captured by the Nazis and they used him in propaganda for two years. And then he tried to shoot himself and he <laughs> failed. And Stalin's like, he can't even kill himself properly. Well, I'll leave it to old dad to teach you a harsh lesson. Yeah. Old old daddy Stalin. <laughs> <And, laughs> so, yes, Vindex is the, the governor of Gaul. Windex. and Windex. Yeah, Vindex. Vindex. <laughs> Vind the Vindex on the uh, Windows. Wow. Anyway, Vindex, after patenting a window cleaner, <laughs> decides to rebel against Nero. That's how he financed yep. it. Yes, that's how that's how he paid his legions the bonuses he needed to start his war was selling window cleaner. <laughs> and at the same time, oh yes, the okay. Jews revolt as well. <laughs> Wait, what? No. Yes, the back Jew- at the, it again. The, the great this is actually real history. The great Jewish revolt was happening okay, at this t- time. Okay, fill as me well. in on what that is because I have no idea what that is. The great Jewish revolt is a bunch of Jews. But why? Revolting. It's kind ca- it's of ca- it's ca- it's ca- in the title. Well, because Nero had been literally taxing all of the, provinces. the shit oh. out of everyone. Yeah, to breaking point because he needed to, to pay for his palace and his giant statues and for rebuilding of Rome and all of his games and stuff like that. So he's been literally bleeding the provinces white. And some of them rebel, and the Jews are one of them. They rebel, and the Flavians are sent to deal with them. It was the dynamic duo of the Flavians. It was Titus and Vespasian. Oh, but we're okay. not there yet. Yeah. yeah, we are. They are some of the greatest living generals, but they were sort of on the outs with Nero because Vespasian had the habit of falling asleep during Nero's private dinner performances. <laughs> Good for him. So he gets sent to go fight. Yeah. <laughs> <Based. laughs> <laughs> so, so those two go get sent to go fight the Jews. Vindex is rebelling,
2: and so that goes that also does go to show the thing we we're talking about about the sort of um how tenuous things are the fact that Nero couldn't just kill him because he's too powerful as a very well liked general with legions,
0: who yeah. had served with the his predecessor in Britain, and he was. I mean, aside from him falling asleep, he was a, a decent friend to Nero, which is surprising that Nero held that against him. Because really, the only people who got on Nero's good side were the ones who insulted him, like people who would like insult him in the street. Like Nero would just start laughing, like that's a good joke. And then the people were like, "Nero, we love you, we love you." He's like, it's "Kill him." <laughs> like there was one senator, I forget this. this might I may, be, I may be telling a Caligula story. Either way, I think it's Caligula's story, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. Fuck it. It it could just as well have happened under Nero. There was a senator who made like a very like big presentation, like when the emperor fell sick. Like, oh, I I pray to the gods if the emperor recovers, I will I will offer myself as a human sacrifice. And the emperor recovered, and they're like, well, you better kill yourself now. (laughs) And I heard what you said. You better get to it. But I think that was Caligula though that did that. It sounds more like a Caligula story. Anyway. So Vindex rebels, and there's a couple other provinces that rebel as well. There's a guy named Galba, who was initially the man who's who's the closest legions. He is sent to deal with Vindex, beats the shit out of him on the battlefield, and then as his men are cheering, they start saying they start calling him Imperator.
2: No, 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 Galba Galba doesn't fight Vindex.
0: Yes, he does. It's Otho who's you're thinking of Otho, he's in Spain. I'm pretty sure, no, it's Rufus who fights Vindex. No, Ru- Rufus is also defeated. Er, he joined, he rebels too. But he, basically, everybody Nero sends rebels against him. Because uh, Rufus is the one he's sent to guard Northern Italy, and when Galba approaches, he's like, yeah, fuck it, I'm not fighting him. Should we do a fact check, everybody? But, but I, know, I know for a fact that Galba defeated Vindex in Gaul, and then refused to swear allegiance to... The emperor, he said, I will do as the Senate commands. He then marches on Rome, and Nero has to flee for his life. He, yes, that part is, yeah, I agree
2: with that part. Yeah.
0: And if you guys have played, any of you who have played the Xbox game Rai, Son of Rome, you know what happens. Boudica invades Rome with four oh, yes. elephants.
1: That game was very accurate. Yes, very, very, very accurate. accurate.
0: Somehow, somehow, Britons made it all the way to Rome with fucking war yes, elephants. Yes, they
1: brought them directly from Britain, I believe.
0: Raised them. There. Yes, yes, yeah. they're are natural, their natural habitat. All elephants in the world yep. come from Britain. Little known fact: they swam across the English Channel thousands of <laughs> years ago and lived mostly in Africa and the Middle East. Yes. No. maybe people don't know that, but, you know, it's just the, the stuff you learn at <laughs> Off the Dead People. <laughs> wow. So, yes. So, Nero flees the capital. Almost everybody abandons him. And eventually, he's with, like, a couple friends, and he's like, you know what? Things are bad, but it's not as bad as it can be. And then someone, a writer comes up. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, the Senate declared you an enemy of Rome. So he's now he's lost all of his he's lost his title officially as emperor. He's lost his rights as the Roman citizen. And it's every reasonable citizen's job to on site apprehend him and essentially kill him, tear him to pieces, stab him, you know, or just bring him to the authorities and let them. Well, do it what an
1: him. unpleasant turn. Of so events. Nero's.
0: Yeah. So Nero is like, well, I'm probably going to have to kill myself. Probably. <laughs> probably. But he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then he hears, apparently horse, he hears hoofbeats coming up to him, and he's like, oh, I guess I should probably do this now. And he finally selects a dagger, stabs himself in the throat, just like dies. that, huh? Yep. And then the centurions who came in, who were coming in, were like, oh, well, we were your friends. And he's like, well, fuck, I wish with I with the done knife that, still sticking out of his right now, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, supposedly the centurion comes up and like puts a cloth on his throat, and one of Nero's last words is such loyalty. Wow. And also, what an artist dies in me. Is one of right, his little, last uh, He had that, several last cool. words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like kind of like the ending of Deadpool 2, you know, where he has like five like death I've never books. seen either movie. Oh. Fantastic movie. No. I thought you had. Anyway, irrelevant. So. With that, Galba marches into Rome and is declared emperor, beginning what is known to history as the Year of the Four Emperors. He is then overthrown by Otho, who was a governor of Spain. So Galba rules for, I believe it was seven months. Otho rules for two. And then, oh fuck. I, did, I memorized all four of their names earlier. It starts with a V. Vitellius. Vitellius, yes. I was so excited because I, I, I shouted them in my car. I was a little drunk earlier. (laughs) I was driving.
1: (laughs) It doesn't get much more New Jersey
0: than that. (laughs) To go get food. While while screaming screaming Galba, Otho, Vitellius, and Vespasian. (laughs) Anyway. Yes. Vitellius becomes emperor and he's finally overthrown by Vespasian who makes himself emperor and founds the Flavian dynasty who ends up doing a far better job of ruling Rome than the Julio Claudians had done and building the Colosseum and building the Colosseum and conquering the Jews and starting the diaspora, which (laughs) is essentially responsible for Judaism spreading throughout all of Europe and the Mediterranean world. So good. Thanks Romans. You can't make (laughs) these jokes (laughs) on these jocks, these, yep. these jocks these jokes are too hot for radio <laughs> or any hollywood produced thing because there's a lot of jewish people there
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm mark <laughs>
0: Whoa. yeah the flavians are the next dynasty that rules some of the greatest conquerors you know we get guys like trajan and titus and Um, Vespasian, all great emperors all expand the borders and secure Rome, although the fabled Pax Romana has finally been destroyed. The Julio Claudians have finally removed all of the veils of the Romans' eyes of what makes an emperor. And for the next three centuries, Rome would be subject to well, actually four centuries, really. Rome would be subject to civil war after civil war after certain emperors pissed off the people, the Praetorian Guard, the Senate, or the soldiers, and eventually the Empire would fall and the Dark Ages would begin. So essentially what I'm saying is the Dark Ages is Nero's and some of the other Julio Claudians If fault. you want to frame them as the Dark Ages, hmm.
1: I mean, that's how most people frame it. And I was waiting for George to say something, but apparently he has no problem with calling it the Dark
0: no, we I mean, just not left, I've, just I've left you hanging out in the wind. I've
2: said it before, but said what said now? Come on, say it again.
0: Well, I wasn't there for it. I wasn't there for this. What did you say? It's a unfair
2: and an, and anachronistic generalization. Well,
0: That's said, no. Yeah, well, you're kind of right about that. <laughs> Good job. Have your drink. Yeah, I'll, hang on. Oh, do
1: I get peanuts now?
0: Yes, yeah, so you get one of. You get one of Aaron. They're no, good. don't eat. Don't eat those peanuts. I poisoned them.
1: I hope you're not allergic.
0: Don't, don't eat the peanuts. You're. You, he will be allergic to the cyanide that I put on them. It's very slow acting, though. I wanted to get this episode done, and then Aaron would drop <laughs> dead, and that would be our mark to cut the episode off. Well, that's very Nero of you. Yes, very Nero. I was thinking about making. I was thinking about building him a collapsing house and giving it to him to live in, but that was too much money and time. So I just poisoned his peanuts.
2: Yeah, I mean, you gotta economize.
0: Yeah, these are hard times. The pandemic has affected us all in different ways. And with that, so, wait, hang on. <laughs> what, what's in the chat here?
2: <laughs> oh, this good god! We're just a uh, something for later.
0: Oh. No. I didn't even know we had a chat in here. I'm oh, okay. that's it's for Neil. It's for Neil. Is that a Rick. Did you, are no. you trying to Rick roll us? Let a Rick roll link. No, no, it's not. It's a Roman I'm history. I'm marking video. it again.
1: <laughs> so, is that where we're going to wrap up on that? I suppose so.
0: We can do a little outroy. That was that was fascinating. I can't believe I didn't know any of that. And I didn't even really do that good of a job. Like if I had studied for a little bit longer, I had like an actual book to read, I probably could have given you a more cohesive.
1: It's not like I can tell the
0: difference, but George might. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) You should watch that link, Neil.
2: It's only a couple minutes. All right, so we should do
0: um we should do an outro. We should like think of something.
1: Hang on, let me yeah, just go to the end of my here, last document. I'll just read it. what I put there. Here.
2: okay. Yeah. Aaron, write an outro. Neil, watch the video. I, I, I'm going to write, gonna write the outro. outro
0: in my head right now. We're just going to go. I think there are Dutch people
1: walking around above my room because it sounds like they're all wearing clogs.
0: And so, <laughs> from all of us at Getting Off to Old People... <laughs> so from all of us at <laughs> yeah. Getting Off to Dead People, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode on... Yes, Nero and the Julio Claudians, and some other geopolitical events that were happening in first century Rome. <laughs> long title.
1: Good times. Uh,
0: I have been Neil Eckerd of the War and Conquest podcast. I,
1: I think I think with that, everybody, we should all give Neil Eckerd a hand for carrying us through. Well done. Well, Harry well me all done the way. indeed, sir. Yes. Um...
0: What an artist (laughs) died. Just don't pull a Seneca. (laughs) You just hear like a thump on the ground after we say that. (laughs) Just dead silence afterwards. Or you could just leave it.
2: They're just dead silence interrupted by the slow munching of peanuts.
0: (laughs) Yes, good. (laughs) (laughs) Epilepsy.
1: Can't laugh at that. I
0: think it's time to bring the show (laughs) to to end end for today. You couldn't laugh at that because there was a referential joke to what Nero said about the murder of Britannicus.
1: I know, I know. You
0: weren't paying attention.
1: If you hate us, you probably hate Neil more, so consider funding our shows by becoming patrons.
0: <laughs> or just subscribe to the regular show. Or just subscribe to the regular show. Until you um, get addicted to the free content and you need more. And yeah. you, just, you can't stop the addiction. You need to become a War and Conquest Plus or an Off the Rails patron because that gives you two extra episodes a month. Or one, depending on which tier you join. So, which is it,
2: two more episodes a month that we talk about dead people? Does yes,
1: exactly. Twenty twenty.
0: <laughs> the the addiction will be fueled. See, I let you in for free, and I've got
1: you. Yeah. Well, you can get as much of Neil as you want if you become a patron of his. At, what's your what's your uh, patron handle or Patreon handle?
0: War and conquest.
1: War and conquest. It's not Neil Eckert. It's War and Conquest. Right. Yes, and if you want to donate to us, even though we're underperforming, you can always send us a little tip at at WTADP on Venmo or join us on Patreon. We talk
0: about dead people. You can um, also follow. You can you know, all the social, all the, the big three. You know, Facebook, yeah. Instagram, and Twitter. I pretty much. Well, I'm more active on Facebook and Instagram. I just post a bunch of shit, posting memes about whatever we're talking about. Like right you now, you got we're yourself about, banned, didn't you? No, they threatened to ban me. And then I made a a meme that was like, fuck censorship and and Facebook's attempt to do it. And then a couple of days later, because I set it up as a business page, I can boost posts. I can essentially pay for a post to be shown on other other people's feeds as an ad. And so Facebook was like, this post is doing better than 95% of your other content. Would you like to boost it? And it was my picture of saying, fuck Facebook. So, you know, we we hit peak capitalism. (laughs) You know, the capitalist system wants me to pay... To say fuck the capitalist system you know we are at we are in the greatest timeline
1: classic and i bet you i bet you write your anti-capitalist nonsense on a macbook at starbucks while drinking a double pumpkin spice latte or something
0: i'm just kidding of course uh yeah let you hang there
1: let me let me ask you a question if you if you could pick one song to play out this episode what would
0: you pick Ooh, that's a rough one. I see I didn't think I needed a song. You don't. We can just use the one from the video that George put in the chat. <laughs> no, I can. I mean, I can send it. maybe like a regular regular War and Conquest uh, episode there. Um, hmm. Well, you pick bet.
1: something and send it along and we'll play it. Well, I have to say what it is. You don't, you don't have to. Yes, that's <laughs> why I
0: do. We
2: usually don't decide until afterwards, even though we always have the sound of ambiguity. Because I I'm essentially
0: that. pirating their music. I have to kind of give them a link. That way their lawyers don't have a leg to stand on when they try to sue me for... How about you just be ambiguous and I'll pick something for you.
2: And then the lawyers can
0: go... Now, out here we go. Karen. Here we go. Uh-oh. We have this. Oh. Oh. Nice The song When Everything Means Nothing by the band Fit for a King off the Dark Skies album. Perfectly encapsulates what today's story is about because it was about cheapening the ruling dynasty until someone else stole it from you i think that's i think it's beautiful It's poetry it rhymes i love it (laughs) yes i love it too
1: i've never heard the song but i'm sure i'll hear it later i'll send it to you i've got it i'll send you the clips for it you're gonna go nice all right well thank you neil and thank you george of course i learned a lot about rome that i didn't know Some very crazy things. Indeed. I'll just assume you both said you're welcome. And with that, I'll let the sound of whatever song Neil just said play you out.